up about that. And today, I'm going to teach you on a topic that's one of my absolute favorite topics, and uh, it, it is uh, the subject of prayer. And uh, we've said this since the inception of our church. If, if, if we're going to do anything, it's because we're going to be a praying church. Um, we are only as powerful as the power of our prayer. And so the programs can go away. Um, even, the, even the preaching can go away and the worship can go away. But if the prayer goes away, we're nothing. And so it's important for us as a church to recognize and realize the importance of prayer. This is why I constantly and consistently encourage you to, hey, don't just do this on the weekend and say, woohoo, I checked that box. Man, develop a real and tangible relationship with God. And that's how things change in your life. When I'm not just acknowledging him on Sunday, but on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, there's power in prayer, man. Power in prayer. Here's what Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 says. Call to me and I will answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you don't know. This means you can't get to it. I love the amplified version. It says this. These are things that you don't distinguish, that you don't recognize, that you don't have knowledge of, and you don't understand. Prayer is humanity's connection to deity. This is how we connect to the supernatural. It may be something that nobody can figure out. And when you pray, God comes through and you give him the glory. There's power in prayer. Now. I don't have any statistics or any proof for what I'm getting ready to tell you, okay? So don't tweet this or quote this and be like, this is the gospel truth, because it's probably not, but it's just something I believe. I believe everybody prays. I believe everybody prays. Even atheists, you might be here be like, I don't pray. I've been on a plane before. That thing drops about 100 feet at a airport. There ain't not one atheist. Though. Everybody's like, anybody up there just... And the believers are going in. I will live and not die. You know what I mean? Like right now. When we get in trouble is usually when we pray. The young guy was, I had been dating a girl for a little while. And it was time for him to meet the parents. And so they set up, they were going to have an early dinner at, uh, at her parents' house. He was going to meet mom and dad. And then they were going to go out on a date. And so he stopped that day at a grocery store to pick up a few things for her. He stopped and he, uh, and he got her some, some boxes of chocolate. And so he went to check out at the counter and there was no clerk there and he sees a, a you know kind of a middle-aged older guy i'm walking around and the guy said have you been helped and he said no he said I'm, I'm so sorry he said i'm the owner of the store and he said let me let me help you i can check you out so he goes over there and he checks him out and he notices he's got three boxes of chocolates a small one a medium one and a large one he says you tell me about what's going on here and he goes well i have a date tonight and he said if if she lets me hold her hand small box of chocolates if she lets me kiss her on the cheek Medium box of chocolates. So let's be kiss her on the lips. Large box of chocolates. And the guy's like, well, all right. So he takes it and he goes and gets ready and then goes to her house and meets her parents. And they sit down for dinner and he stops everything. And says, you guys mind if I, if I return things? You guys mind if I say a prayer? And they're like, well, sure. And he's, he launches into this like Father God, King James Version, henceforth, forthwith, right now, almighty God, ruler of the heavens and the earth. I mean, literally like 38 Father Gods in five minutes. I mean, he reaches the Father God quota. He said just incredible prayer, prays over it, and then, then he gets done. And she, his, his girlfriend like kind of whispers to him. She goes, you, you never told me you were so religious. He said, you never told me your daddy owned the grocery store. <laughs> Hey, that's when we pray, right? We're in between a rock and a hard place. Help me, Jesus. 
But we can find tons of instances in the Bible when the power of prayer changed things. God was angry at his people and was ready to smite them. That's an Old Testament word. We don't use the word, I'm going to smite you. God was ready to smite them. And because of Moses' prayer, God literally changed his mind. Joshua is in the middle of a battle and the sun is going down and he knows we need daylight in order to complete this victory. And he prays and the sun hangs in the air and stands still in the sky because of prayer. Hannah in the Old Testament, weeping, finds herself in the temple crawling on the ground, pounding the floor, crying and praying. So erratic was her behavior that the priest approached her thinking that she was drunk and he scolded her for being in the temple in this condition. And then he realizes she's not drunk. She's in anguish. She's crying out to God. She's interceding. She's travailing. She wants a son. And he says, your prayer is going to be answered and you're going to have a son. And she did. And you know his name. His name is Samuel. And we've all been blessed by the books that he wrote in the Bible. One of my favorite stories of the power of prayer is Paul and Silas. I mean, these guys are powerhouses, man. They're praying and preaching in the name of Jesus when it's against the law and they get thrown in prison for preaching Jesus. They're thrown in prison for doing the right thing. You ever got in trouble for doing the right thing? You're like, why am I in trouble right now? I shouldn't even be in trouble. You ever have, some of y'all have a sibling and they were the troublemaker. But because you were standing next to him, your mom was like, both of y'all come over. You're like, it wasn't even me. And your brother's like, yeah, it was him too. It was him. It's him. He did it. Come on. I didn't even do anything wrong, mama. You got to know that's how Paul and Silas feel. They're, they're thrown in prison for preaching Jesus. I don't know if, if Silas was complaining, but, but Paul changes the game. I don't know. I have no scripture to back this up. But, but I believe when Paul was converted, he was converted into a gospel church. Because you don't respond like nobody that I know responds except for gospel people. Like Paul responded to prison. Most people are like, why am I in prison? Why? God was doing the right thing. Paul says, I think we ought to sing a song. <laughs> Only gospel people say, ah, they start singing a song. Now, it doesn't tell us what song that he sings, but I think maybe he started singing, can't nobody. Can't no. Come on, white people. Y'all can find the beat. Do me like the love. I said, can't nobody. Come on, all right, give all the gospel people a hand. They were raised in a scary church. Some of y'all people never heard that song. Like, what song is that? Is that in the hymnal? That ain't in nobody's hymnal. <laughs> they start singing, and when they start singing, the Bible says the walls and the ground begins to shake, and God not only sets them free, but he sets all of the other prisoners free, and ultimately the jailer that had them captive is set free of his sins, and his whole house is saved. There's power whenever you and me pray. Power whenever you and me pray. And there's a whole little other message that I could preach on that, that sometimes the reason God's put you in prison is not because he wants to push you in prison, because he wants you to pray until he can bust you and somebody else out. Don't just look at your situation. Look at others. It's power in prayer. 
And maybe you're not a believer. We know that a lot of atheists and unbelievers come to our church. And man, we are so glad that you guys are here and we want you to continue to come and, and learn. And even if you don't give your lives to Christ, um, we want you to do that. But even if you don't, you're going to get some good practical stuff. But I mean, the whole end game is we want you to give your life to Jesus. But even if you're an atheist, I want you to understand this. There, there's power in prayer. And you can say, well, that's just your opinion. No, no, no. Uh, 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 I wish my wife was here right now because what you have just heard is the foster stutter and she makes fun of me all the time. But it's not just me that does that. My dad does that. My uncle does that. And my grandpa do that. We all, she's like, you can do it. You can do it. God use Moses. He'll use you. Keep going. It's not even, it's not even nice. The word that I was trying to say is cardiologist. That's not an easy word to say. Cardiologist. I just got stuck. If you stutter, God bless you. I love you. We're boys. Cardiologist Randolph Byrd decided that he wanted to do a study on prayer because he believed in the power of prayer. And so at San Francisco General Hospital, he took 393 patients and did a double blind study in which the doctors, nor the nurses, nor the patients knew who was being prayed for. And they split this group in, in half, and they prayed for There was a group outside, a, a church group, that prayed for half of them, and the other half were not prayed for. Google it. The results shocked the medical community and the scientific community, because those that were prayed for spent less time on ventilators, took less drugs and overall fared better than those who were not prayed for. Not only do we believe in the power of prayer, it's scientifically and medically proven. You can't explain it, but prayer works. And they'll tell you, I don't know, but it works. There's power in prayer. So the question that we want to tackle today is simply this. If we know there's power in prayer, then why doesn't God answer our prayers? Why doesn't he always answer? Why doesn't he always answer the way that we want him to? Now listen, I can't explain that. I don't know. Here's what Isaiah 55 says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And sometimes you're just not going to know why God does the things that he does. But sometimes he answers in a way that you didn't expect or that you didn't want him to answer. And sometimes we miss the answer, even though it's already come. You know, we, we pray for provision and God gives us a promise. We, we pray for a way out and God gives us a word. Lord, I need sustenance. And he gives you a seed. What am I supposed to do with the seed? Plant it and a harvest will come. But we want it right now. Just because my answer doesn't happen the way that I want it to doesn't mean that it's not an answer. Sometimes we're my way or the highway. You know my way or the highway people? Like you invite them to eat and they're like, where are you going? Well, we're, you know, we're going over here. Well, I don't want to go. Well, where do you want to go? Well, I want to go here. Okay, well, I'll go there passive aggressive my way or the highway people some of us treat god that way though it's my way or the highway how many of you guys are good test takers in high school or college you were you were good test takers raise your hand i just need to know who i loathe in here <laughs> i wasn't a good test taker. i'm a little add you know i'm like ah, i'm twitching you know but i always liked the multiple choice tests better right those are of god those are the anointed tests right because even, even if I ADD out, I can be like, ADD, 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 all the way down. I'll at least get something right when it's fill in the blank. 
I just, I'm dumb. You know, I just write that. That's not an option, but I'm dumb. I don't know. You know, I just write Jesus because he is the answer to every question. I write Jesus in every blank. Hope I get a gospel teacher who'll be like, that's good. You're dumb as a rock, but I'm going to pass you because you know. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. You will, you will fail. God's tests are rarely multiple choice. But that's how we like to present them. Lord, here's my prayer, and you can answer in A, B, or C. I prefer A. B is acceptable. C, I'll live with. And God goes, D, none of the above. Because his tests are fill in the blank. Lord, here's what I need. Not my will, but your will be done. I don't have time to go through the entire Lord's Prayer, but I want you to understand many of you have been taught that the Lord's Prayer should be recited every day. And that's not actually true. The Lord's Prayer was not a recitation. It was a model for prayer. The disciples could have asked any question that they wanted to ask Jesus. Lord, teach us thou therefore to walk on water. Why, my son? Because it is a henceforth great party trick. <laughs> but they didn't ask him that. They said, teach us to pray. Why? Because they had observed that the source of Jesus's power was the power of his prayer. And oftentimes the Bible says Jesus snuck away to a desolate place to pray. And so they said, teach us to pray because we realize that everything that you do comes from this relationship on the inside of you with the deity that you are. So help us learn how to pray. And in the prayer, he said, pray this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It takes two verses until we get to us. Give us this day our daily bread. Two verses before it gets to us and it bookends it on the end says for thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and thine is the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. So what is it about? I'm in the middle. He's on either end. So it's not about me. It's about you. Here's what I need. It's not about me. It's about you. Not my will, but your will be done. And when we get prayers in that order, you will begin to pray the heart of God. And when you begin to pray the heart of God, you have a whole lot better chance of getting those prayers answered than when you're just praying your own desires. When we pray, not my will, but your will be done, oh God. And when we pray, God will often answer in one of four ways. The first way is this. If the request is wrong, God will say no. God will say no. And we don't like the word no. How many of you have children in here? You have little kids? You have, how many of you, your kids, this dads, you'll be, uh, th those of you who, dads, this will be your, your, this is your moment. How many of you, your kids said dad, dad first? Raise your hand. Dad, dad first. Come on. Come on, somebody. Dad, dad. My first three, my first three kids, my daughters, all three of them, dad, dad first. Jennifer was mad. Like, why can't they say mama? I was like, because they recognize the authority. And really, it's just whenever she wasn't around, I was going dad, 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 dad. So they'll say dad, dad, or they'll say mama. My son was born. The first words, mama, mama, mama. I was like, come on, you're supposed to balance the power in the house. All you can say is mama. But their third word is usually no. You know why? Because that's all they hear. Nobody says yes, yes. We said no, no. And they learn it. And what happens? They, as, as soon as they learn it, they start using it. Come here, now. Like you a year and a half old telling me no. Go hug your granny, now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you better come over here. We don't like the word no, but oftentimes our requests are wrong. And so Jesus has to say no. Sometimes our requests are overzealous. And there's precedent for this. The disciples 
ask overzealous questions, Peter, James, and John find themselves with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's this incredible moment that they don't even see coming. And all of a sudden, Jesus' face is overshadowed and shines with the light and the glory of God. Moses and Elijah show up on either side of him. And Simon Peter nearly has a heart attack. He's like, I've got an idea. Jesus, this is such an incredible moment. We ought to just build three temples up here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And we can just stay up here worshiping all the time. And Jesus doesn't even answer him. Literally, Jesus is like, doesn't even answer him. Why? It wasn't a terrible request. It was just a wrong request. Because Simon Peter's purpose wasn't to isolate himself on top of a mountain and build temples. His purpose was to find himself away amongst the people and present the message of Pentecost. And Jesus knew that if he stayed on the mountain, he'd never fulfill his purpose. Sometimes our requests are wrong, even though good hearted as they may be, they're just not right. And God has to say no. Sometimes our requests are selfish. If God answered all of your prayers, would anybody else be blessed except you? Sometimes we only pray for ourselves and our situation and our people and our families. What's going on in our lives? It's all about us. The precedent in the scripture for this is Mark chapter 10, verse 35. (laughs) The Bible comes alive to me. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus. Teacher, we want you to do us a favor. (laughs) Jesus says, what's your request? When you take a seat on your glorious throne, we don't want much except for the seat on the left hand and the right hand. Me and my brother. You just right beside you, Jesus. We're just going to sit on it. We don't even care. It doesn't matter which one of us, just as long as it's nobody else but us. And Jesus says this. You don't even know what you're asking. Verse 38. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with a baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Their response. Oh, yes. We are able. The book of Matthew says they even bring their mom. And she tries to convince Jesus. Jesus, these are good boys. They'll be ride or die, Jesus. They'll be with you. Buy them some robes and rings and houses. They're going to be with you. That's a selfish request. Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. Sometimes our requests are crazy. Jesus blows through Samaria. And when Jesus passes through a place, he can change the entire place. But because he's passing through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem, the Samarians get ticked. And here's what they say, Luke chapter 9, verse 53. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, you want us to just call down some fire from heaven and burn them up? Some holy s'mores right now. How about that? (laughs) Jesus, verse 55, rebukes them. No, I didn't come to torch people. I came to transform them. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all of your prayers? Aren't you glad that he like says, mm, that's probably not something you want me to answer. I remember being, I was 15 years old, had a bully in high school. He was a senior and he would kick the back of my foot while I was walking down the hall. If you were one of those people, you need to call whoever that was and apologize. But I, you know, he'd be walking in and he's kicking. I, I was praying. He was laughing every time he'd do it. <laughs> I'm I was praying. I was like, Lord, right now, just singe his eyebrows off. God, singe all of his body. Make him lame right now in the name of Jesus. Then I'll be like, I'll heal you next week. You sit right there and think about it. I'm a child of God. I'd have been terrible if the Lord had answered all of my prayers. The book of Garth Brooks, chapter 3, verse 1 says, 
some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. That was, that's not in the word here. That's an addendum. That's, a, that's another one. So if the request is wrong, God will say no. If the timing is wrong, God will say, whoa. Woe is almost harder than no because woe is maybe but not yet. And you and I were not born with the gift of patience. It's something that has to be cultivated over time. I don't know anybody who just relishes in traffic. Oh, can my drive be longer? No, I've seen, I've seen some of y'all. Sweetest people in the world until you get on 610 or 290. Then you just lose all of the spirit. He leaves your car. You're just like crazy. We don't like to wait. A few years ago, I was flying through Atlanta. And if you've ever flown through Atlanta, that means you spent the night in Atlanta um, because it's just all messed up. And so I, I had been delayed and delayed and delayed. And I was getting on a little regional jet and we had to walk outside and up the stairs onto the plane. And right when we got get ready to get on the plane, they stop us. And the flight attendant's like, y'all just wait right here. And I'm like, okay. And so we're standing outside. It's 98 degrees. The heat is sweltering. I'm like, why can't you just let us on the plane? All of the passengers were all grumbling and mumbling about the state of customer care in today's world. And these airlines just don't even care about us anymore. She comes back and she's like, it'll be just a couple more minutes. I was like, hi, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Why can't we get on the plane? She was like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, the air conditioner's broke. They just got it fixed. It's 115 degrees in there right now. And we're just going to wait to let it cool down a bit. I was like, wait on, sister. I'm good right here. <laughs> See, I was trying to force myself into an environment that wasn't, that wasn't yet ready for me. And some of us try to force ourselves into relationships and into business deals and into uh, friendships and into uh, situations that God is not. Hey, you're ready, but the situation's not ready. Can you just hold on a minute? Have you ever, been a, you ever been on a plane and you're supposed to land at a specific time? You've told the people what time to pick you up and the, the, the pilot comes on and says, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are uh, on our final approach right now. And uh, <laughs> we'll be uh, touching down in about 17 minutes. Lucretia, please prepare the cabin for landing. God bless you, Lucretia. And then you're like 45 more minutes in the air. And you're like, come on. And you turn your cell phone on even though they tell you not to because you're trying to get service to text people and you can't. This happened to me and, and then the pilot comes on and he says, hey, um, sorry, it's been so, so long. We've got about 20 more minutes. A storm blew in right over the airport. We think it's getting ready to clear out, but it was unsafe for us to land. I'm like, hey, man, I'd rather be Jeremy Foster late than the late Jeremy Foster. Come on. I just hold up right here, bro. Sometimes God puts you in a holding pattern because he's still preparing the ground or the people or the opportunity. Don't push your way into a situation that God's not prepared for you yet. Just wait, pray. In fact, the Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait there is a Hebrew word, hava, and it literally means to wrap up by twisting. So we don't wait on our situation because you'll get all twisted up in your situation and wondering why. Get wrapped up waiting on Jesus. Wait on God. And what happens whenever I wait on him and I get wrapped up in his will, he brings clarity to things that I don't understand. Perseverance comes and power comes in waiting. Power comes to perseverance. Jesus has is, is, had an incredible ministry on earth done some amazing things then he dies the disciples freak out even though he told them this was going to happen then he rises again and they're all excited 
And then he's speaking to about 500 people and he begins to ascend into heaven. I don't know if he was swinging around like this or not, but it would be cool. You ever seen an Easter drama where they have Jesus ascend? Listen, if you ever go to an Easter drama, don't go to a big church to see an Easter drama. Go to a small church. Those, they put on the best ones because it's low budget and it is fun to watch. There was this one church in Louisiana that did an Easter drama and they had Jesus ascending after the resurrection and all this stuff. And he's ascending and they didn't have a lot of money. So they had a pulley rigged up behind the uh, drop ceiling and they'd removed a couple of the tiles and, you know, Randy or whatever's playing Jesus and he's got a, a rope tied around his waist and the rope goes up in and he's like they start raising him up and he just starts spinning all the way around like the acrobatic Jesus you know what I mean Jesus ascends into heaven and the angels say hey why are y'all standing here gazing go and tarry go and wait do what Jesus said do. Go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Go to the upper room. So what do they do? They go to the upper room and they're there for 10 days and they have a powerhouse prayer meeting. And at the end of this powerhouse prayer meeting, Acts chapter two says they're all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting in cloven tongues, like as a fire set up on each of them. And they're all baptized with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit gives utterance. And then it spills out into the streets and thousands are added to the church. And, and the church begins because a few people decided to wait. But here's my question. Why did he speak to 500 and only 120 were at the upper room? Here's why. Because 380 of them were like, I can't stand to wait. If God tells you to wait, you better wait. Because on the other side of the waiting is a promise that's going to give you strength to walk into your purpose. So when God says, whoa, just say, okay. So if the request is wrong, God will say, no. If the timing is wrong, God will say, whoa. And if you are wrong, God will say, grow. God will say, grow. What do you, what do you mean, if I'm wrong? Wait, well, what are you talking about, if I'm wrong? How many of you guys are married? How many of you married? Married, 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 all over the room. How many of you men would say, you know what, my wife is just right. She's just right. See, it's older men. It's older men. They just stop fighting the battle. They're like, you're right, girlfriend. Even when you're wrong, you're right, baby girl, because... That couch is cold. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to have to grow. We don't like to fail. It's like the veterinarian who was also a taxidermist. <laughs> he had a sign above his door that said, either way, you get your dog back. <laughs> don't laugh at stuff like that. It encourages me to tell more stuff like that. How do we grow? Well, you don't grow just automatically. You, 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 you don't just wake up one day and you're smarter. God strategically positions people in your life who help you grow. They help you. Here's the challenge. You and I do not naturally gravitate to people who challenge us. We naturally gravitate to people who affirm us. This is why this generation has a real hard time deciphering between helpers and haters. And we label ha ha helpers haters. And people who are actually haters who aren't helping us in our life at all would say, oh, that's my helper because they're affirming me. They make me feel good about myself. And they make you feel good about yourself because you're going the wrong way. And they're going the wrong way too. And they just don't want anybody to tell them. So they tell you you're doing the right thing. Have you ever, have you ever known somebody who was dating someone who was crazy? You know what I mean? You're like, crazy. But they look at you and they're like, what do you think? You're like, I love her. You're a liar, you know? 
We need friends who value us more than they value our friendship. Who will look and say, no, 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 no. Na 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 na. She's crazy. Say goodbye. You don't. You don't even know. That's what happens. You don't know. You don't know them like I know. Yeah. Remember that song. Nobody wants to see us together, but it don't matter new. If nobody wants to see you together, nobody wants to see you together. That's just. That, I'm not even gonna charge you another offering for that. That's just a little extra, a little lanyard. This is why we have. That's why we have connect groups so that you can get around people who will help you grow and become better and become stronger, grow in your faith, grow in your wisdom, grow in your knowledge of the word. We're not just trying to build a big crowd of people. We're trying to build people. That's why we have a growth track. Root word, grow. Why? Because we want you to grow. God doesn't just save you to save you. He saves you to set you free, to discover your purpose, to make a difference. That's why he saves you. He saves you with purpose in mind and a difference in mind. But you can't get there by yourself. Some people lose their way because they, they lose their why. They don't even know why they exist. Our growth track helps you discover that. And it happens on the first and second weekends of every month. It's not for us, it's for you. That's going to help you discover what God has called you to do so that you can begin to make a difference. You need to get in a connect group. Some of you need to start a connect group. How many of you ladies are excited about next Sunday night? You're pretty fired up about that? That's going to be fun. You're going to be introduced to a lot of ladies groups that we're launching all over the city that I'm excited about. Why are we doing this? So that you can grow. It's biblical. James 5.16 says this. Confess your faults to Jesus and pray to Jesus that Jesus may heal you. The effectual fervent prayer to Jesus of a righteous man availeth much. Is that what it says? Some of you are like, I don't. It's a trick question. I don't know. Because what you're saying is not what's on the screen. One of y'all needs to get it together. That's how we think, though. That's how we read the scripture. Confess your faults to Jesus. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says confess your faults to one another. Why? Because we get real good at confessing to Jesus and never changing. And confession to Jesus makes me feel good, but doesn't actually change anything in my life. Well, I've confessed my sins to Jesus, and that's great. But then I'm sinning again on Thursday, and I'm still wrapped up in this addiction on the next week. You need a group of people around you who will keep you accountable and pray for you. Why? So that you can be healed. So that they can help you. Some of y'all, you're going to have to marinate on that for a while. Because you've been taught all your life. The vast majority of the scriptures in the Bible that talk about confession are about to somebody else and not just to Jesus. Why? Jesus didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out two by two. Because you need a group, you need some people around you who can help you get over what you're going through, who can help you grow. Listen, I, I'm going to go so far as to say this, not confessing your faults and your sins, hiding that stuff in your heart, not dealing with it, can cause your prayers to not be answered. Now, I'm not going to just sling a statement like that out there and not back it up scripturally. Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Iniquity means injustice or sin or broken promises. And I hide all of that stuff in my heart. And I don't talk to anybody about the stuff that I'm going through. And hey, I need some help. And I need you to pray with me. And I need a brother who's stronger than me. Well, let me tell you something. Can I, tell you, can I just be real with y'all? Is that cool? Good, because I always am. I don't know how to not be. Sometimes I overshare. I'm 40. 40 not young. I know, except unless you're a lady, 40 super young. You are so young. 40 for a man, not, not young, but it's not old either. Okay, I feel pretty good about my life, but I'm only a two-year-old senior pastor. 
I'm two. So I'm like a big old toddler. <laughs> so I need help in my life. This is why we have a board of overseers that we strategically set up before we ever launched the church. This is why we have pastoral coaches who speak into everything that we do. Why? So that I don't have to do everything myself and accidentally get our church messed up and get in a ditch because I don't know everything I need to know. We have trustees who help speak into large purchases for our church. We have percentage. Some of y'all, this won't mean anything to you. All you hear is, but but those of you who have business mind, you'll understand. We have percentages set up so that our church doesn't get 65% spending on a building. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that got in financial trouble. And then all of a sudden, all of the preaching becomes about money. And the pastor goes, it takes money to turn the lights on. It takes money to run the air. It takes money to do the work of God. And we're never going to say that here. We're never going to preach that here. That's why we strategically say, listen, there's no pressure on this. You talk to the Lord about what he would have you to give. And then you do what he tells you. Why? Because we have coaches that help set us up so that we don't make a mistake. You need coaches in your life who can help you. Literally, if you don't grow up, it'll cause heaven to close up. Confession doesn't just happen with your, with your mind. It happens with your mouth. You have to actually talk to somebody who can help you. Everybody say, I got it. Good, because I could belabor that for a long time. And the fourth one is when everything is right, God will say, let's go. So come on, say, let's go. It'll blow your mind how often God will answer your prayers. When you, get, when you start praying the way he wants you to pray, you get in the word, you start praying the word of God. It'll blow your mind how often he answers because he wants to answer. He wants to bless you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to help you. In fact, we often quote, a lot of us quote Jeremiah 29 and 11. It's one of my favorite verses of scripture. It says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's some good promises right there. I think thoughts, the Lord's saying, listen, I think thoughts towards you, but a lot of people read this out of context. You got to understand the context of what was happening here. And we're never going to be anything but a word church. So don't just cherry pick a scripture. Read the context. Read six or eight verses on either side of it. <laughs> He's talking about blessings and peace and giving you a future and a hope. And, and they, they're in captivity. And guess who put them there? God. Why? Because they had gotten their focus so, to so totally off of what their purpose was that he had to get them in a little bit of captivity to focus them again. But it didn't change his thoughts towards them. And if you read on a little bit, he even blessed them in the midst of captivity. God has a good purpose for you, and his purpose is peace. Everybody say peace. God wants to give you peace. So how do I know when he's answered my prayer? Well, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how he'll always answer. I don't know if he'll answer. But I do know that he has a purpose, and, and we can find it in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Musicians, please come. He says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. So here's what it's saying. Listen, stop worrying. That's a, that's a message for some of you. That's a seven-week series for some of us. Stop worrying about everything, but keep praying. Don't stop praying. Keep praying about everything. Tell God what you need with gratitude. Thank him for all he's done. Lord, I thank you for everything you've done. If you never do another thing, you've already done enough by saving me. Here's some of the things that I need. I thank you for what you've done. And here's the kicker. Everybody say, here's the kicker. 
Man, I hope you get this because this is a revel- this was revelatory to me with unanswered prayers because it's hard when God doesn't answer the prayer that you wanted him to answer. Here's what he promised you. He said, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So sometimes God's answer is peace. He may not answer the way you want him to. Sometimes he just gives you peace. The Bible says he'll give you peace that passes understanding. Picture two NASCAR race cars rolling down the interstate and one of them's blazing, just flying. And that's the car of misunderstanding and hurt and pain and unanswered prayers and unanswered questions and why this and why did this happen and why did that happen to God? Why? Cruising. And then when you begin to give it to God, all of a sudden another car passes it. What does that mean? It goes faster. What does that mean? It's more powerful. What does it mean? It can sustain longer. And that's the car of peace. It'll literally pass understanding. So I don't understand this situation. And I don't understand why God's responded the way that he's responded. And I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. And I don't understand why you lost your loved one or you went through the pain and the heartache that you went through. But I do know this. God's peace can cover misunderstanding and pain and heartache. And in the midst of a trial, you can be going through it and still sleep good at night because you have the peace of God. And that's my prayer for you, that God gives you peace. Don't quit praying. I remember getting the phone call. I was in my mid-20s. I got a phone call from a distraught person in our church, and they said, Brad is in the hospital. He's been run over by an 18-wheeler. He's in a little small truck, and he was drinking. They found Jack Daniels in the ditch right beside the truck, and I knew Brad had had a drinking problem. His parents had talked to me about it. Here's what you have to understand. Brad wasn't a bad kid. He wasn't a bad kid. He actually was very respectful and very kind. He just started hanging out with the wrong connect group and started drinking and had been, dr- had been a drunk for a couple of years. I made my way to that hospital heartbroken. Love his family, loved him. But when I, was, when I got there, I was shocked to find out he not only survived the wreck, but he was getting ready to go home. He came by my office. He's weeping. He said, I got to change. I got to change. I started spending a lot of time with Brad. Got him in a group. He started growing, got discipled. Started working with young people. Started going to high schools and junior high schools and speaking to young people. And now Brad is one of the best youth pastors that I have ever seen in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And thousands upon thousands of young people's lives have been changed. Not because of Brad. Because of Pam. And you don't know Pam. Because Pam's not the one who's blowing up on Instagram and Facebook and preaching. And all these young people are saying, you changed my life. Pam is Brad's mama. And Pam is the one 
who every night of that boy's life, even those years that he was drunk, would walk in when he was passed out on the bed and lay hands on that baby and say, God, you promised that he was going to be a man of God. I gave him to you. He is still yours. You're going to use him. And she never stopped praying. So don't give up. God's going to show up. When you pray through, God will come through. Just keep praying. Don't quit. Get on your feet right now and let's give an ovation to Jesus that only a king is worthy of. God is good. His mercy endures forever. Don't quit. Don't stop praying even when you don't understand. Lord, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Those that are in this theater, those that are across our campus, those that are watching online. I pray that they would be ministered to right now in this moment. That you brought them here not by accident, but you brought them here on purpose. Because there's so many people in this room who've been battling with questions of why? Why? And today, you've begun to sprinkle peace into their heart. With nobody looking around, just close your eyes for just a moment. If if this is you today, you said, man, this was me. I needed this. Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, I thank you for the people that had the courage to just lift their hands and say, this is me. I pray that you would give them peace, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen them in the waiting, strengthen them in the wondering, strengthen them through the questions of why. And if you don't answer the way they want you to answer, God, I pray that today... You just give them peace. In Jesus' name. There are those of you here who the first step that you need to make is you need to realize that Jesus is the only one who can save you. Let me give you the gospel. You're a sinner. The Bible says you're born in sin and shapen in iniquity, which means you cannot save yourself. You can't do enough good to earn God's favor, His pleasure, His grace. You just have to yield to him. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So there was no hope. And then God sent his son Jesus to die upon a cross for your sins. So he paid for your sins. And here's the bonus. He rose again on the third day. So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is his son, which gives you eternal life. The kicker is this. You you have to believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. 